I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. The world we inhabit is not as free, or certain, or safe as you might think. The things that you believe to be unassailably evident are little more than shadows dancing behind a curtain. A masquerade, crafted and dutifully upheld by an organization known as the Foundation. The file you are about to hear contains containment procedures, descriptions, testing logs, historical and in some cases first-hand accounts of the anomalous objects the Foundation serves to secure, contain and protect. Its contents have been thoroughly scrutinized by the Ethics Committee and approved by the O5 Council for release to trusted associates of the Foundation. This is SCP Unredacted. Gwen Liao's eyes shifted between three different charts and the woman sitting on the hospital bed in the infirmary's containment room. According to every test, DNA screening fingerprint scan, retinal scan, and an EEG, this was, in fact, Director Weiss. But she was almost 40 years younger than she should be. Dr. Catherine Sinclair stepped out of the chamber into the airlock and, after a brief decontamination, joined them in the containment room. The thaumatologist was vexed, the arcane energy around her dissipating. The aura matches, as near as I can tell, Gwen. That is her. That's Weiss. That doesn't make any sense, though, she frowned. If that is her, then she's compromised. We shouldn't let her resume active duty. Dr. Bailey could... There was a clearing of a throat behind them. Sinclair and Liao turned to face the goat man, who had been standing in the back of the room, chewing on his corncob pipe for God knows how long. With all due respect, stranger things have happened in this town to worse people. From my brief interactions with her, she's got a good head on her shoulders. And if anything, being younger may just help with that judgment. Why is he not in a cell? Sinclair asked. How are you not in a cell? He tapped a badge marked Visitor that was pinned to a set of suspenders he now possessed, the only piece of clothing on him. Bailey gave it to me since he's acting as director in absentia for the time being. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere classified unless you have vending machines in your jail cells. They're in the break rooms on every prime number floor. Long story. Liao rolled her shoulders. But I agree with Sinclair. As much as I appreciate you rescuing her, she's been compromised. And it would be a bad idea to let her run anything more complicated than hot water right now. She looked at Sinclair. I've got people trying to revive February right now. He should be coming out of it within the next 10-20 minutes. I'll grab Toffelmeyer and Carol. You, she pointed to the goat man, with me. I don't want you disturbing the medical staff. All right, all right. The goat man stretched lazily. It's not like I'm going to fry all the computers. I'm a thought form, not a wizard. I've only done that once, Sinclair protested, exiting the observation room. Half an hour later, as Liao was assisting Weiss into the shower, there was a knock on the window to the containment room. Making sure the director apparent was comfortable, she stepped through the airlock, finding herself face-to-face -face with Agent Nicholas Ewell, head of security at Site 87. Standing next to him was a meek and somewhat sheepish Tristan Bailey, rubbing the back of his neck. 
You will hold up a small device in one hand, a microchip reader-writer. It was a primitive thing, all analog buttons and somewhat cheap plastic casing, but it was still used because it worked, was durable, and had a battery life that outlasted four presidents. Just got off the horn with command, he explained. Weiss's clearance is being suspended, order of 05-4. Bailey will be acting director in the intermediary. Can you at least wait until she's decent? Liao glowered. It's not like she's a threat to anyone. She has a bum leg and she's in the shower, for Christ's sake. Bailey kept rubbing the back of his neck. Liao could tell that he was feeling along where the chip in his neck was. He had a slight bruise around one eye, ink on his fingertips, and a small bandage on the inside of his right elbow. Already got the retinal and other biometrics, she remarked. Weiss will remain in the system until such a time that she's fit to return to duty. This isn't the first time we've done. There was a pained scream from the next room and the sound of feet as other nurses ran to the side of a bed. Liao sighed. February, she explained. He's been having bad dreams, even through the chemical coma. Been getting worse since we started pulling him out this morning. There was silence in the room. Once the screaming stopped, Yule was first to speak. I'll break it to her easy. This is going to be tough news and, well... He's afraid of breaking her heart, Bailey scratched at his neck. She's not your nana, Nick. Weiss doesn't lose control very often. She'll have a bit of pain, but she'll understand. I've known her since she first became director. That reminds me. You will tap a few keys on the reader-writer. Bailey, why the hell is your date of birth classified at 05 level? You are literally asking a question I can't answer. Tristan rolled his eyes. That's why it's classified. A bell sounded from inside the containment room. Liao ushered Yule in with her, recovering Weiss from the shower. Bailey remained outside. He felt his heart break a little, as he saw Weiss's straining not to. She looked between Liao and Yule, tried to protest a few times, but when Yule showed her something on his phone, she sighed, pulled up her hair, and bowed her head. Then it was done, Yule and Liao quietly exiting the room. Bailey mimicked Weiss's motion, pulling up the back of his own hair and exposing his neck. Ewell pointed the device at it, and there was a beep, a hum, and then a click. Congratulations, Acting Director Bailey. Ewell shook his head. There should be a clearance card printing for you right now. Let me take you there. February should be out of his comatose state within an hour or two. Liao tapped Ewell on the shoulder. Will you be back for that? Of course, Ewell nodded. With that, Tristan and Ewell exited the room, going their separate ways. Nina Weiss sat in her bed, alone, muttering to herself. While Liao couldn't hear it, judging by her elevated heart rate and the expression on her face, she wasn't happy. Raymond February awoke with the taste of metal and plastic in his mouth, surrounded by his friends, Agent Ewell, Price, Toffelmeyer, Carol, and both of the Williamses. He gave a weak smile. Well, he coughed glad to know that I'm not in the mortuary. There was some laughter and some uncomfortable silence. Carol was the first to speak up. What happened, Ray? He recounted to them the events of the traffic stop, the majority of which they knew from recovered footage from a security camera at the scene. But a new detail came out. He, this is going to sound weird, but this, this guy didn't have a proper face. He was wearing one like a mask. And I, and he said he would kill me unless he swallowed unless fuck what did i do everyone around the bed backed off several feet the lot of them could count the number of times february had properly sworn in the last five years on one hand toffelmeyer was the first to speak up what did you do ray i i was so scared i couldn't think straight it was like it knew everything i was afraid of and that that it it would shoot me unless i 
he gave it what it fucking wanted. He put his hand to his throat and winced. I, I gave it passcodes into the site, but they were obsolete, maybe a week out of date. October 2nd was the day the codes got changed. Price's eyes widened. If they got in the night of the 1st, they would have had access to the new codes. Oh, God. She put her hand over her face. God damn it all. Nicholas Ewell approached the bed, pulling out the microchip reader writer. I hate to do this, man. Bow your head. What are you doing? February asked. I have to do this. If an agent gives up classified information, including site passcodes, they're to have all clearance revoked and be moved to a holding area until such a time that a tribunal can be held to determine if they were under reasonable duress. He sighed. I need to see the chip in the back of your neck, Ray. I'm sorry. February nodded, tears in his eyes as he sat upright. There's one more thing, he swallowed. A couple more things, actually. First, can someone bring my Bible from the barracks? I'll be happy to bring it up. Blake made to leave the room with Ruby following. Your locker combination is still 23-19-13, right? Yeah, he nodded. And this thing, it, it acted like it knew me already. After I was shot, it said that you still don't cuss. He bowed his head as you will put the reader on the back of his neck, pressing several keys. I'm sorry. For whatever it's worth, Ray, I'd say that having your face stomped in by whatever this thing was counts as reasonable duress. You will pocketed the scanner again. We'll send Liao in here in a bit to move you to the holding area. You can have a few visitors a day, and we'll have people around to monitor you around the clock. He put a hand on February's shoulder. Ain't your fault, Ray. Can't say I'd have done any differently. February nodded, head still hung in shame. Mind if I wait with him? Carol asked as the others turned to leave. Just until Blake gets back with his Bible. Just don't say anything compromising. You will nod it. Come on, I think we need a drink. We'll save you a seat at the garden, Alice. Robert nodded as he left the room. February looked down at his hands, swollen, bruised, and barely functional. Then he looked up at Allison and swallowed. You're the only person I've never really seen at church. Not big into it, she admitted. Plus, I was brought up Catholic, so we think you filthy Protestants should all burn. The joke didn't draw any reaction from February. He looked at his hands again, numbly, and said... I don't think I can go to heaven anymore. Allison blinked. What are you talking about? I've, I've been having dreams. I usually don't have dreams about my faith, but I see something. All I can make out are its horns and its voice. It keeps telling me that he swallowed, that I'll do something wrong, so wrong that heaven won't take me and even hell won't accept me. What if this is it? Allison's hand was on her mouth and she looked down at the floor. Ray... I, I screwed up. I could have... No, I did let it into the site. You're all in danger, and now I get nothing. Heaven, hell, none of it. He looked at Allison, tears in his eyes. When I die, I go nowhere. I know that now. It's... It's just dreams, Ray. I'll see if I can't get Dr. Palmer to see you, if you're that concerned. She put a hand on his arm. Nobody's perfect. You can't blame yourself. Allison jerked her hand away from him, clearly startled, as a crackling noise came from where she touched his arm. She cleared her throat. Oh, sorry. Got a bit of a shock there. Wool blankets. February looked at his arm and then up at Allison. He was about to speak when Blake entered the room again, carrying February's Bible. It was an old, battered book that looked well-loved. He placed it on February's nightstand and then looked at his hands. Are you going to be able to read it, man? I'll stay. Allison put up her hand. Give Toph my apologies, but... February needs this more than I need cheese sticks. Blake nodded. He'll probably try to save you some anyway. See you in the barracks tonight. Right. With that, Allison and February were alone. She picked up the Bible and flipped through it. 
What are your thoughts on Matthew 6.14? For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. February nodded. I'm the reason this thing can hurt people if, if I had just... Allison flipped back to the start of the book of Matthew and begun reading it aloud. It was one of the few parts of the Bible Allison actually knew. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Hours later, Raymond February slept, but Allison could tell it was uneasy. She refused to leave his side, damn any security risks she posed. The man looked and probably felt awful. A few rooms away, she could hear Weiss's voice over the intercom, but she couldn't tell who she was speaking with. She reached out and touched the bare skin of his arm again. She was afraid to do it while he was awake. As she did, his skin cracked and folded, exposing square bumps along its surface. They had letters and numbers and were in a pattern she immediately recognized. A keyboard. Allison ran her fingers along his skin and within seconds, a whole keyboard made of her friend's flesh lay under her fingertips. She tapped at one experimentally. The keys had an abnormal amount of give and she had to press hard to get them to click. Gross, she frowned. All right, last time I did this, I created a tulpa monster made of living jelly, so let's not do that again. With that, she began typing. Raymond February found himself in a cold, dark room once again. The only thing he could see before him was a set of horns in the dark. His body was battered and broken, like real life, and the horn thing came in close, trying to stamp at his broken body with cloven feet. The thing didn't speak so much as it burbled and gargled, but February could understand it just fine. It was telling him that this is what awaited him in the afterlife. Okay, enough of this. The room was suddenly filled with an odd blue light, the exact same color one would find on a computer screen with highlighted text. It was warm and almost comforting in its artificiality. The horn thing recoiled from it. Help me, February gasped, please. This is your battle, February, not mine. All I can do is be a light in the dark. February turned, his whole body aching, to face the horned thing. He gasped, nearly falling. He was looking at an infant, barely a week old, if that. The horns and hooves were stuck to it haphazardly, like a bad Halloween costume. As the child was exposed to the full light, it fell off of its stilts, only for February to catch it. I, I don't understand. He held the child, his hands and arms not hurting despite their broken state. What does this mean? I, is this some kind of vision? Am I holding... Not everything is Jesus. This isn't paradisio. Riddle it out. He held the infant up. It cooed and squirmed in his grasp, letting out a raspberry. It's very young, very. Can't be more than a week. He knelt and picked up the horns. Cheap, costume store quality, generic red devil horns. This, this is what I was scared of? What's... He looked at the child. This is what was giving me the dreams? It's very young. How young? A week, no less, February swallowed. I've only had these dreams for a few days, but it felt like so much longer. I, Time is weird in dreams, and you've done nothing but dream in your induced coma. The light grew brighter. Give the child to me. February looked at the baby and walked into the light. A pair of hands extended from it and gently took the child. He saw a form in the light, feminine, holding the child as she began to walk away. Wait, he swallowed. Who are you? What are you? I'm nobody. Really. Just a light in the dark. With that, there were a pair of clicking sounds, and the light vanished.
Allison Carroll stood from February's bedside, his skin returning to normal as she removed her hand. She ran it across several other surfaces. They all remained static. Even when she returned her fingers to February's skin, nothing happened. She wrote a note promising to return, or at least have agents come in shifts, to read and meditate with him over scripture. Then she adjusted her mask and headed towards the containment room, where Director Weiss was being held. In the observation area outside was none other than the goat man, his hand depressing the intercom button. I'll talk to you again tomorrow, Director. The goat man made his way out of the observation room, stopping in front of Allison. Is that a pistol in your hand, or are you just happy to see me? Cute, she frowned, finger off the trigger. What were you talking about? You've discovered my evil plan. I want to burn this town to the ground with everyone in it for a sacrificial ritual to obliterate Ohio. The goat man rolled his eyes. Why do you plastics people always think there's some ulterior motive? This is my town too, and I don't like what's happening in it. That sounded a lot like dancing around a question. The goat man sighed and pulled a credit card from his overalls. It bore Weiss's name. She was giving me permission to use this. You're joking, right? Allison kept a pistol aimed at him. I mainly subsist off berries, roots, and actual tin cans. You know how long it's been since I've had a hamburger that isn't half-eaten? He tucked the card back into his pocket. She's going to be in lockdown for a while and wanted to show her gratitude. And since she can't act in an official capacity... Allison frowned, looking the goat man over. He had a variable appearance, this much was true, but he always had an air of harmless fear that you saw on the facade of fun houses at the county fair with their out-of-season Draculas and Frankensteins on the front. That same air remained, but he had a wary smile on his face. She holstered her pistol and sighed. Any funny business from you and I'll uninvent pataphysics just to kill you. Don't know what that means, don't particularly care. He started walking off. I'm going to have a burger. The goat man rounded a corner. Allison heard the elevator to the surface ding, open, and shut. She was left in a dimly lit infirmary, alone with the patients in their beds. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, follow the link in the description to patreon.com slash scpunredacted and help support me by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. You can get access to production logs, merchandise, recognition, and even a part in a skip. Regardless of tier, all patrons get early access to every single episode. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their link's in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki, upvote their work, and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know if you never try. The content of this podcast and content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0, and all concepts originate from scpwiki.com and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. I'm Grigori Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki. And we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people. Or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. 
Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel, by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.